The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Abortion can be a difficult subject to talk about. For those with personal experience, it may bring pain and can be hard to make sense of. Welcome to Life After Abortion with Michaeline Friedenberg and Skylar Christensen. On our program, we'll offer a safe place to begin the conversation about abortion and provide steps to start healing. Now, here's Michaeline and Skylar. Welcome. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We're so glad that you've joined us today. We recognize that talking about abortion is something that is is very difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very challenging for a number of reasons, but certainly because there are so many of us who have been impacted on a personal level. Right, right. Perhaps we've had an abortion, or maybe someone close to us has had an abortion. Mm-hmm. Or maybe we've suffered other reproductive losses, perhaps through miscarriage or a stillbirth or struggling with infertility. So we recognize that this topic can really be fraught with a, a lot of pain. And so we're so grateful that you've chosen to be here. And please be assured, this is a safe place for you to be. And this is really a, a time where together we can be exploring how can we support someone who may be facing this? Um, or if there's someone listening and, and for you, you're like, oh, this is me. This is, this is a safe place for us to explore and hopefully aid you in that process as you begin to process your experience. Right, right. And we're really just thinking of it as a conversation. We're just wanting to start the conversation and talk about this subject you know because our culture just doesn't so often so it's it's just a space where we can talk we can talk in a safe environment and we can talk and we can be imperfect in our communication because Mm -hmm. that's often how it is but in relationship we can move through that together and and kind of together um, bump our ways into to better ways of supporting others Mm. So I'm thinking, Skylar, it might be good to recap yeah. kind of where where we're at. Yeah, yeah. So on the last couple shows, we've we've gone over a, a couple concepts, and, and it'd be good to go over those again because they really do set a foundation for this conversation. And, and the first thing we talked about was just the number of people who are affected uh, by this this loss and this grief that can happen after abortion. You know, three out of ten women by the age of 45 in the United States mm. will have an abortion. And with each of them, there is a man involved in some capacity. And very often there are family members and friends who, who are involved to some level, and there can be a lot of pain there. So we talked about, you know, with just the, the number of people that this impacts, you don't know 
who you're talking to, who might be impacted. And we talked about how our language often changes when we're talking to someone who we know has experienced some kind of grief or loss. But if we don't think they've experienced something like that, sometimes our language maybe isn't as appropriate. So just realizing that the person you're talking to may have some kind of personal connection, may be impacted, may be feeling some grief or loss can help you to maybe adjust your language a little bit to to being a little bit more sensitive to what they could be feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and as we were talking about in our last episode, certainly there's the number of people impacted by abortion that you've just shared, but also to keep in mind that about one in four pregnancies ends in miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about reproductive loss after abortion, it often brings up those painful memories of loss through miscarriage. Right, right. Because there, there are a lot of similarities between the grief that's felt there and and one thing that we talked about in the last episode we brought up this term disenfranchised grief and these various reproductive losses they all they all have that as a common thread that they tend to be disenfranchised griefs which is a a grief it's it's a feeling that isn't validated by culture it's treated as a non-event it's it's not talked about in the same ways that other losses and other griefs are. So there's not really a permission given to grief for the person who's experiencing that kind of grief. Absolutely. And then when we're talking about that concept of disenfranchised grief, we tend also then not to have the type of cultural norms or, or rituals, things that we do mm-hmm. when we have lost someone uh, through a different means or someone who has, has been born. So, for instance, you not uh, typically you're not going to have a, a memorial service. Um, often in, in miscarriage that isn't offered as well, and yet that is, is so healing because it validates yeah. and you come together with your support group. But So certainly with an abortion, that's something that, that you wouldn't be doing. Yeah, yeah, that's less common. And, and with other forms of grief, a lot of times like the the passing of of a close family member perhaps people will rally around you and people will offer their support and people will you know make meals maybe or or just say i'm sorry that's something that doesn't happen with a reproductive loss very often absolutely and we we talked about you know grief and grief being a process mm-hmm. so it's something that's a, an ongoing process and one of the important parts of that process is actually having the event known so that there's a forum to acknowledge it and to talk about it. But when it comes to a loss like abortion, that, that simply isn't present. It typically is not. It's often a secret or maybe one or two people know about it who are typically involved, which can make it very challenging to actually talk about it because each of those individuals has their own feelings around it. They're in the situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so for this episode, we wanted to focus on that really important part of the grieving process, which becomes part of the healing process. And that is telling your story Mm -hmm. because there isn't an obvious avenue 
that's available to do that. And yet telling your story is something that is so important in that process. So in telling your story, you're expressing the reality of what has happened. And you may think, what? Well, what, what, you know, we, we, it did happen. But when something traumatic happens for us or any sort of significant life experience, it doesn't even have to be traumatic, but it's significant, sometimes we have a hard time processing or almost like catching up with what has happened. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it's so important to be able to actually talk about it. And so that you are saying, this is real. This is something that has happened. And it's then in the process, you're validating the loss in there as well and telling your story. And it's just so essential to the process of yeah. being able to do that. Yeah, and it seems like putting words to those emotions are just going to help you work through what you're feeling that much more, being able to articulate the experience. You know, I so often I've had a lot of different things in my life happen, but until I actually put words to it, like I, I think that I understand the situation and I remember it one way emotionally, but it's not until I actually put words to it and tell it as a story that I start to, to see the whole picture of what actually happened in that event. Absolutely. You know, there's a grief expert, Dr. Warden, who talks about the tasks of grieving. And some of those tasks of grieving are accepting the reality of the loss and then processing through the pain. And this is where telling your story becomes a really key component. So when we've lost somebody where, where it's culturally acknowledged, so we already mentioned you would typically be already communicating. So once we've known that a person has died, then phone calls are made. Often people will come to the home, those who are closest, the immediate family, people will gather together. Then they'll begin the process of planning for the memorial service or the funeral. Mm -hmm. And perhaps there's a a gathering, a, a larger gathering of extended family and friends that happens then right after that memorial service and the funeral. And so we naturally tell our story in doing that we're sharing that experience with each other we're talking about the person we're describing the meaning of the loss of that person our emotions are coming out and all of that we're hearing from each other their perspective perhaps we're sharing memories and that's something that a story that continues past that point of the loss event, the time of, of recognizing that formally in a some sort of memorial service or funeral. And then that's something that continues at your kitchen table, at family gatherings, perhaps on the anniversary of the loss itself. And yet that's all cut off from someone who has lost through abortion. So I'm trying to describe that so we can be kind of visualizing and thinking ourselves of when we've yeah. gone through those experiences. And so we don't say to someone, I'm 
telling you the story of my loss formally, but that's exactly what we're doing. And that allows us to process and to move through that. Yeah, so it seems like it's it's both a natural thing. It's a natural part of the grieving process, but then there's also a, an unnatural element to to doing it. It seems like that's it's not just a natural thing to always go in and, and tell your story. Well, and specifically when we have a loss that's not acknowledged. Yeah. So, and something that often is kept as a secret or there's only a few people who know about that. And so part of it is even finding out who is safe to tell my story to. And we'll be talking about that more in in future episodes on, on building support and all of that. But certainly we want to think about that. Are we going to tell our story to a person? Uh, where are we going to tell that story? Where's, mm. where's the place so there's privacy to do that? Um, or perhaps we want to take advantage of an anonymous way to do that. Perhaps we mm. want to tell our story by writing it in our journal. Or last week we were taking that little tour of abortionchangesyou.com, which is an online or a virtual place to begin to work through the tasks of grieving and healing. And so there's also a portion on the website where somebody could go and choose to write their story there. And so when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about how someone can tell their story, and then let's share some stories. And then we can learn a lot from people who have already begun that process, and they're sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. And I do also want to encourage yeah. people, if they have questions as we're moving through this, please send us your questions, contact at abortionchangesyou.com. That's contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Yeah, and do like us on Facebook. That's going to be Facebook slash creating a safe place. And on our Facebook page, we'll be uploading updates. So we'll be posting our safe place tips. And you can also ask questions there and, and we'll see them. Absolutely. And as you said, you do have some safe place tips that we've already shared. We'll be putting our safe place tip that we'll be talking about later in the program, which is on listening, which of course fits if someone is telling you your story. So let's pick that up again when we come back. making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Step by step, you made it through the journey of pregnancy. Now your baby is in your arms and you're on the cusp of a new journey, breastfeeding. As a new parent, you receive a lot of advice, much of it conflicting. Some of it outdated. Tune into Born to be Breastfed with host Marie Biancuso to bust through the myths about feeding your baby. Marie and her guests will help you figure out what you can expect and put you on the best and surest path on your breastfeeding journey. Listen every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Tune in every Tuesday for C. diff, spores, and more with hosts Nancy Kerala and Dr. Chandra Bali Ghosh. Our program is to provide information about C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and more. Nancy is a C. diff survivor, healthcare professional, and the founder and executive director of the C. diff Foundation. 
and Dr. Ghosh is the chairperson of research and development for the CDIP Foundation. Together with their guests, we'll explore infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and more. Listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We're so glad that you've chosen to join us. So we've been talking about the importance of telling your story as part of the grieving process. And I think let's jump in and, and read some stories yeah. and then we, we yeah. can talk about those. And when, when we share these stories, uh, first of all, they, these are stories that have been shared anonymously on abortionchangesyou.com. And keep in mind that there is no one right way to write a story. This is the person's story. This is the way they chose to write it. So please keep in mind there's not a, a, not a right or a wrong way. This story was actually submitted early this morning. And it says, I've undergone an abortion almost a year ago, and I'm still thinking of it every night. Here's my story. My then boyfriend and I always quarreled just because of me not allowing him to have sex with me. To be fair, I'm from an Asian background and I'm quite conservative in my thinking. But during our vacation overseas, I finally agreed to his request after a long, tiring day. He had been asking for it since day one, and I finally agreed on the last day. I really regretted it. Months later, I found out that I'm pregnant. I wanted the child. I told him about it, and he seemed fine and wanted the baby at first. He said he would tell both his parents about this matter as well because we were both still young. But then, only his mom got the news and she disagreed with our decision and asked me to abort the child. She asked me to not tell my parents about this, and I myself felt ashamed to tell my parents as well. My parents have always advised me to not have sex before marriage. Again, I'm from a very conservative family background. They... My ex and his mom brought me to the clinic, and up till today, I still can't forget that scary place in the operating room. I don't think I can ever forget about it my entire life. After the surgery, every day I would have to hide my fear, sadness, and guilt from my family and friends. For the first months, I cried a lot in the car and would act normal or perhaps with forced smiles facing my family and friends. I don't think I'll ever tell my parents about this, as I fear that I'll do more harm to them. However, at the same time, I fear that they will one day get to know about this. I'm better now, but will still cry occasionally, especially when I see children of young age, young adults with children, etc. I just don't understand why I can't have a baby just like them. Why is he so irresponsible? He said he would take responsibility when we had sex why why 
Up till now, I've never told, I've told this matter only to one friend of mine. He's a very supportive friend. I decided to tell him because he managed to see through something wrong in me, and I trusted him. Mm. Thank you. Such a powerful story. Mm -hmm. And, And clearly from her story, she's talking about really describing what we were talking about earlier, about feeling like not having that support system. So she feels betrayed by the boyfriend. Certainly his mother, who was pushing her to have the abortion, wasn't a safe person to talk to. And then she Mm -hmm. fears judgment and harming her parents if she shares with them. Yeah. Some of the people who would normally be a support system are part of the reason that it happened. And then there's all that shame that's keeping her from the other members who would be normally a part of that support system as well. So all those things we've been talking about that make this a disenfranchised grief, it's, it's keeping her from being able to tell her story. Absolutely. No, fortunately she has found a friend. She's Mm -hmm. found someone she could share with. And I think it's so interesting that basically she's saying that this person realizes that she's imperfect and accepts her. Mm -hmm. And so she felt that he was a safe person, somebody that she could trust to talk to. And it's wonderful that she's found someone because often in telling our story, we don't just tell it one time. Mm -hmm. In fact, I wanted to read this quote. It's from Dr. Strauss. And this is in the book, Grief and Abortion, Creating a Safe Place to Heal. And he's talking about telling your story. And he said, for some people, a single telling is enough for them to prepare to take another healing step. But for others, there may be a need to tell the story more than once, which can lead to a more thorough telling, adding disclosures that weren't included in earlier tellings. I'm an advocate of a person getting to the very bottom of the barrel, so to speak. The more thorough one has been in sharing deep and painful material, the more free that person is to move toward increasing acceptance and feelings of resolve regarding the painful issue. Mm -hmm. So there's always the first time, and it may be really hard that first time, looking at a blank page or looking at your computer screen and having trouble starting. But then once we've told it, it's something that we can continue to tell as many times as we need to as we process through the pain. Yeah, and that first time seems like it might not have much detail to it. It might just be accepting that the experience happened. It might just be a very simple telling of the story just to get comfortable with the idea of even telling a story. Right. And then further tellings like the, the quote was suggesting might go into further detail deeper right. things about the experience. Absolutely. And and for us, the meaning can change over time and our experience and our emotions change over time. Mm-hmm. We saw that in the story I just read where she was yeah. describing how the early days, weeks, and months were so intense and she was crying all the time, where now she's saying she cries occasionally. And so she's thinking about it differently. I was hoping you could share a story from one of the men who's written into the website. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that we've been talking about is that this really does affect everyone. And it's not just the woman who's had an abortion who has a story to tell. So here's a story from the the man's perspective. 
So he says, I was 25 when my girlfriend told me she was pregnant. We'd only been dating for two months, but she had been one of my best friends for years. I met her when I was 18. I was head over heels in love with her. There's nothing in the world I wouldn't have done for her. When she told me she was pregnant, I was elated. She said, it's my decision to make. I was very scared, and also I'd been raised to believe that it was my responsibility to support whatever decision she made. When she told me she couldn't do it, it was the most painful thing I've ever heard in my life. It was her saying, I don't love you, and I don't love our baby. Because of that, I let her go through with it. The world became pitch black. The lights have not come back on yet. Two years this autumn. Wow. I, I think we, we probably don't imagine that men would have this type of a strong emotional reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two years this autumn the story by saying he's keeping track of this this is a significant thing in his life two years later he's still needing to tell this story and it, it feels very close to him still two years later this is very close to who he is right now mm-hmm. to what he's experiencing right, right. and it, it it sounds i mean we can only assume but it seems from his story that he doesn't really have an outlet to be able to tell that story. So it's wonderful he could find an anonymous place to come so that he could begin this process and he could actually write that down. There's something so powerful in being able to do that, to actually write it down and say, this is what happened and this is how I feel about it and this is how it's affecting me. It's probably healthy, and it helps to make sense of maybe that those swirling emotions, or maybe you're not feeling anything at the time. Mm-hmm. So we might be surprised by some of the things that that we write down. Um, maybe there's a lot of anger, but in writing it down, maybe we figure out what we're angry about or who mm-hmm. we're angry mm-hmm. with, or if we're sad, identifying there's the loss of the child, but sounds like loss of relationship um, in this case and there often is so that's so important to be able to do I'd like to read another story we talk about as well so there's men and women who are impacted but family members as well and so this lady wrote in and said many years ago as a small child I became aware of a secret in my family I asked my mother about it, and she responded, You're too young to understand. I will share it with you when you become older. As the years went by, our conversation on the subject being long forgotten, something came up when I was 15 or 16 years old. I don't remember what, but as a result, the secret was revealed to me by my mother. She and my father were married a short time, had a baby, and discovered she was again pregnant. This was at the tail end of the Depression, the late 1930s. They were living with my father's parents at the time. When my grandmother found out about the pregnancy, she convinced, actually coerced my mother into seeking an abortion. As abortion was illegal at the time, my grandmother arranged everything with their family doctor and the deed was done. As my mother related the story to me, I was greatly disturbed and angry. Not at her but at my grandmother for encouraging the taking of a life, either a son or a daughter from my parents or a sister or brother from me. 
I felt cheated at what I had been deprived of. A brother or sister I could have loved, confided in, and been guided by. Abortion has left a mark on my life as I experienced it from somewhat of a different perspective than others, but just as devastating. Mm -hmm. Again, I don't think because we don't talk about abortion experiences that we, we don't often think about what it's like from the perspective of siblings. But actually, in my, my time guest lecturing in human sexuality classes, that's the most common story that is shared with me, is the loss of a sibling or siblings and trying to make sense of what that means and thinking about perhaps they were an only child and then the realization, well, I really wasn't an only child and what would have been like if I had had a brother or sister? So telling that story becomes so important and so powerful, so important to move through the process of being able to do that. We had shared that sometimes it can be difficult to start that process, and we actually have some tips that are on the website, abortionchangesyou.com, if you go to tell your story. So when we come back, let's touch on that just for a little bit and then share our safe place tip for the week, which is on listening, because we also have a special guest that's going to be coming up in the last segment of the program. So if you have any questions, please feel free to send them in to contact at abortionchangesyou.com. And like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Creating a Safe Place. That will give you more information about our next show, as well as sharing some helpful resources and our safe place tip. So we look forward to talking again in a few moments. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. When a woman is diagnosed with breast cancer, it's probably the most frightening thing that's ever happened to her. Friends and family often don't know what to do for support, not to mention the patient herself. That's where Breast Friends Cancer Support Radio comes in. Join Becky Olson and Sharon Hennepin, breast cancer survivors and advocates. They help by providing inspiration, information, and most of all, hope. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Do you feel that you aren't at your best when it comes to your personal health? Even if your doctor gives you a clean bill of health, and says everything is in working order, perhaps you aren't feeling at the top of your game. Dr. Rebecca Risk overcame pain and fatigue despite all tests to the contrary. Learn how she put her health back on track and how you can too on Falling Through the Cracks, live every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact 
at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome back. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. We're so glad that you're here. And again, please be assured this is a this is a safe place to talk about what can be a very difficult topic. And let's pick back up. We have been talking about the importance of telling your story. We shared some stories in the last segment. And and then we ended by saying, you know, sometimes it's hard to start. And it can be really hard to start. And and this is something, um, you know, more difficult than like writer's block because you have an essay that's due. And right. we're talking about something that can be really painful, really tough to, to begin. And keeping that in mind, on the website, abortionchangesyou.com, under the Healing Pathways, there's Tell Your Story. And there's a place to tell your story. But then there's also a button you can click, and on it, there are tips for telling your story. And we put here some questions to consider, knowing that sometimes being able to have kind of somebody else help to direct you, if you will, can be really helpful. And we talk about it both from questions to consider if you're the one who experienced the abortion, as well as someone close to you. Perhaps you could share a, a couple of the, the questions, Skylar. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it, these are, are a place to to start for someone who's, like Michaeline said, just maybe not sure. So if you've experienced an abortion yourself, some of the questions that we ask are, are questions about what, what happened before the abortion itself, before that, that procedure. When did you find out that you were pregnant? You heard that in the stories today that we shared. Yes. Uh, they shared what happened before the experience. Um, whom did you tell? What was their reaction? We saw that in the stories that we heard and the reactions uh, in the stories that we told. They they led into what happened in, in the ex- abortion experience and what options did you consider? What led up to your decision to abort? Those kinds of questions, all the things that happened yeah. before, they're so helpful to really just dig into and. And that becomes yeah. really important in understanding your reaction as well. Yeah. So it was shared in the story, and it's not uncommon that the first story that we shared, she wanted to keep the baby. So her her gut reaction was, "I'm going to keep this baby." And then her boyfriend initially agreed with her, but then the his mother got involved mm-hmm. and convinced them to have an abortion. And so that that becomes, now certainly the decision-making process is very different for every person, but you can imagine that that's, re, that's really different than perhaps somebody who their initial reaction was, abortion is what makes sense for me in this situation. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. helps in our own kind of processing and figuring out our our reaction and those those key players. Right. And and to think through what it was before the experience. Yes. Before you think about what happened after and yes. then seeing that mm-hmm. difference, seeing the things right. that have changed. Right. It yeah. And then that will be certainly different for the person who is impacted by the abortion. So we mm-hmm. shared the story of a woman who lost a sibling. Well, of course, she, she wasn't even born then. She wasn't around when this had happened. And so for her, 
she will not have really anything to share other than maybe historically she had found out some information about what happened before or during. But for her, it's really going to focus on after. What now? How is she impacted afterwards? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then the the next thing that you can consider when telling a story is what happened during the experience. And that's something that you heard in some of the stories today is what was the experience itself like? When and where did it take place? Who was with you at the the clinic or the, the doctor's office? And what happened there? Going through the experience itself, it, it validates that it happened. It lets you, like we've been saying it, it lets you articulate that this actually happened and this is how it happened. And I want to make a note there. Now, certainly when we're talking in particular about during the experience, not everybody's ready to do that. Mm. And so in the same way we said there's not a right or wrong way to write the story, these are our tips. These are things to help you. And in time, as you continue to tell the story, you will most likely fill in mm-hmm. that place because it is going to be important to do that and to process. But to keep in mind that perhaps that's still just a place you can't go to yet, and yeah. that is okay. You don't have to go there yet. This is something that should happen in your own timeline as you're ready. And we can keep that in mind if we're person supporting as well, that it's not our job to right. be pushing somebody it has its grieving has its own rhythm and we certainly wouldn't want to be reharming that person right right definitely it goes into what we were saying about telling it more than once the first time maybe this isn't an appropriate thing to to think through right then but maybe like you were just saying upon further retellings it becomes more appropriate or it may be the thing that's the most on your mind and that's the only thing you write about but in time you go and you talk about what happened before and now how you've been impacted afterwards definitely and then there's the third category of questions and that's what happened after the the abortion experience what happened right after did you talk to anyone about it what happened in the days maybe the weeks that followed what happened in the months and years that followed what did you feel immediately afterward what do you feel now how has that abortion impacted your life those kinds of questions the the afterward questions absolutely and we'll be posting these questions on uh, the Facebook page as well as then people can go and look at them on abortionchangesyou.com let's switch really briefly over to to listening and then we'll Mm -hmm. pick that up again and delve a little bit more into listening on the next program but I think it's good as we've now been talking about the importance of telling your story and certainly we may be telling our story by doing it anonymously and submitting it to abortionchangesyou.com or maybe I'm going to write it down in my journal and this is not going to no eyes are going to see this for a while but in time we all seek to have at least one person to tell this story to Mm -hmm. and if we're that person what do we do and I think that that's a really big question I sometimes see a little bit of panic 
when people contemplate that because we have no experience with this. It's very likely that no one has ever shared their personal experience with you. Mm-hmm. And so the thought of what would I do in that situation becomes very real. And perhaps we've even had that happen where someone's telling you and you're just like, I don't know what to do. And so the safe place tip that we would like to talk about and the thing to keep first and foremost in your mind is to listen. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not something that comes naturally. The The way to just listen to someone's story, it, it is sometimes very counter to what we naturally want to do. Very often we hear someone's story and what we want to do is be as helpful as we can and we want to fix things. But the safe place tip for this week is talking about the importance of just listening to their story being present with them and and just being empathetic to their story hearing it saying i'm sorry if that's appropriate or or not responding at all yeah. if that's appropriate yes. and the and the listening being key and i know maybe that was a little bit of a letdown for someone here what <laughs> listen don't i already know that but as you said, that that's hard. Actually, listening is hard, especially when someone is in great pain or we're unprepared. Yeah. And so being fully present, literally taking a deep breath and making sure that you are there, even though maybe you don't want to be there at the moment, but it is likely that you are the first person that they've ever reached out to or maybe they reached out to someone else and they didn't react very well Mm -hmm. and so your reaction is going to be so crucial and you're listening and having it be very clear to them by your body language by your active listening skills um, by relaxing into it Mm -hmm. will communicate so much to that individual and as you already touched on resist trying to relieve that pain the thing is you are helping to relieve it by listening but we always want to do more so we're like they're in great pain i want to relieve the pain i want to fix the situation yeah and one thing that that it seems it could be very helpful this subject especially is one that a lot of people have very strong feelings towards And so preparing yourself ahead of time to, to realize that when someone tells you their story, it will likely bring up strong emotions, even in yourself. Be prepared for those emotions to come and be prepared to, to just listen, even if it's a hard story for you to hear. It's their story. Absolutely. Yeah, we may not agree with their story. Um, we may really be personally struggling with it. Um, but in that moment, yes. That moment is for us, as you said, this is their story. And so listening to them, being there, being there present with them. And we'll talk more about listening because I think that listening is a skill. And even for those who have really mastered that skill, if we haven't employed it when it comes to listening to someone's story on abortion, I think that we can all delve into that a little bit deeper as well. Mm-hmm. So but what we were really excited 
We're going to be having our first guest on in our next yeah. segment because then certainly, okay, back to the relieving the pain, there is an appropriate place of giving resources to that person. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk about some resources and where to find them when we come back. Please, if you have questions, email us at contact at abortionchangeuser.com. And like us on Facebook at Facebook slash Creating a Safe Place. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Life After Abortion. If you'd like to connect to the program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. If you'd rather send an email, our email address is contact at abortionchangesyou.com. Now, back to Life After Abortion. Welcome back. This is Michaeline. And this is Skylar. Thank you so much for joining us today and journeying with us as we've been talking about the importance of telling your story, sharing some stories, and then also giving some tips on how to do that. We also touched on listening. So what do we do if someone shares their story? We can listen to them. Mm-hmm. And we also, at some point, probably want to share some resources or at least be available of resources that are available. And so we have a special guest with us today. And Skylar, perhaps you can introduce our special guest. Yeah, yeah. So this is our, our guest, first guest on the show. This is Dietrich. He's the resource specialist for abortionchangesyou.com. And he's going to be telling us a little bit about the Find Help directory that we have there that lists resources that can be useful for if someone tells you their story and you want to be able to point Mm -hmm. them in a direction Mm -hmm. where they're using our resources anonymously, this is a place they can go. Um, So, Dietrich, uh, thank you for being on the show with us today. Yeah, uh, thank you for having me. Yeah, so 
you know, I, I have just a, a few questions about the, the find help directory. First, I'm, I'm wondering how many resources are there on the directory? Yes, yeah, so currently we're actually a little bit over 950 resources. Wow. And, um, wow. Yeah. So considering where we were last year, we actually are on track to maybe hit 1,000 at the end of this year. That's 1,000 different resources. Uh, that, that's, that's crazy. So these are, where are these resources? Yeah, so most of them are uh, domestically in the U.S., uh, that's where the vast majority of them are all throughout the states, uh, east, west coast, midwest, uh, south. Um, but we also do have some international resources. We have a large amount of resources in Canada. Uh, we also have some throughout uh, South America, Mexico, um, also some in Europe, and a few in other countries. But yeah, mostly in the U.S., but we also have a good amount of, a surprising amount of international resources. Wow, so there really is, there's help all over for people. I, and that's, that's that's so amazing. amazing. I think most people would not imagine that there would be that many resources. And you were saying you're on track to get a thousand resources. So it sounds, Dietrich, like you feel like there's many more resources that you haven't even captured yet. Yeah, there's a lot of resources out there that we're still trying to get in contact with. Uh, we try to make sure that uh, everyone uh, we reach out to right now is always informing us of any other partners they work out uh, work with. So yeah, we're constantly adding resources and looking for uh, new uh, relationships and connections to make. Wow, that's that's so awesome. Uh, what types of resources are available? What kind of resources are listed here? Yeah, so there's a there's a pretty wide variety, and we're always trying to expand it. Um, a lot of them are nonprofit organizations, uh, volunteer groups, but we also have professional counselors listed. So those are those are the main groups, um, and some of them focus on different areas, from individual counseling to more of a support or study group style format, or maybe even like a healing retreat where they meet for mm. a couple weeks at a time, or even uh, over the course of months. Wow! Wow! So there are a lot of different kinds of things offered. So, you know, it sounds like what you're saying is it's not really a, a one-size-fits-all kind of thing, and there are resources for different people in different situations. Would you say that's, that's true? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, we're always trying to add more resources, not just so that people can find them near to them, but also so they can find the kind of resource that really matches their needs, whether they really need professional counseling or some people may be looking for a little more biblically-based uh, teachings, but we always want to be able mm. to provide for anyone what, whatever their background or lifestyle or their beliefs are. You know, Dietrich, I, I noticed that you mentioned that there was a fair amount of nonprofit groups that are offering resources, so I'm, I'm just kind of making this assumption, but does that mean that those resources, like, are there, is there a charge? Are those free of charge? Yeah, so the vast majority of resources that we list are free of charge. Um, they, people come in, that's all they really ask is that people come in and uh, participate, but there is no charge. Uh, there's, you know, some professional resources that do, but that's a little bit in the minority right now. But yeah, there's a surprising amount of volunteer and nonprofit groups that offer all these resources for free for anyone who will come in. That That's really amazing. That's very encouraging. And I would imagine, too, that the professional resources, uh, probably a fair number of them might accept insurance. And so it sounds like there would be 
something for everybody Mm -hmm. and that uh, Mm -hmm. someone's means isn't going to keep them from accessing healing resources. No, definitely not. Between all the free resources and the the resources that are online and some of the some of the newer things like remote counseling where people can go over the phone or through email or on Skype, there's definitely a wide variety of ways to get help out to everyone. Wow, wow. That's great. And one question that I've had is as these organizations change over time like so many do, you know, what how are these up to date and are these resources up to date on the directory? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so a lot of the uh, the groups are pretty fluid. So we actually make sure to try to update our resources on an annual basis. Um, it varies a little bit throughout the year, but for the most part, we actually keep our directory uh, about 90% of them updated to within a year. Wow. And most of the other resources are updated within about two years. So we try to make sure that you know, when someone finally decides that they need to reach out or they need help, uh, that they're going to call one of the numbers they find or email someone, that someone's actually going to get back to them and respond to them and be able to be there for them. So that's why we really push to have our directory be updated as often as possible. Wow, 90%. That is really impressive. Um, but of course, as you said, very important too if someone is, is at the point of reaching out for help. And I, I'm going to assume that these are resources that have been vetted and that um, confidentiality is ensured for anybody who is reaching out to them. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, so one of the prerequisites uh, for adding a resource into our Find Help directory is that uh, we make sure that they agree to our statement of care, which just guarantees some basic standards for every single resource that we list. Uh, You know, we're just going to make sure that they are acknowledging that men and women may experience difficulties after abortion, um, that they have pure professional counselors available who are experienced and have training, um, also that they would be uh, following a code of confidentiality. And, you know, finally, we just make sure that they actually want to be listed in our Find Help directory and that they are, you know, going to be updating every year so that we know they're a, uh, a touted resource that's all up to date and ready to go. Wow, wow, that's, that's great. And it's, it's so important to have that level of, of you know, just knowing that the, the resources available, the resources listed are actually resources that can help, that, yep. that have what is needed right. for the people who, who come to them. Absolutely. And yeah. I think I, I noticed you saying that there is also like telephone options, Skype options, email, mm, yeah, and assuming yeah. text. Is that is that a trend that you're seeing right now? Uh, yes. Yeah, so we're always trying to keep on the lookout for new kinds of resources. And uh, the more recent ones we've been focused on inquiring about are definitely remote counseling options. And we've been seeing more of that. Um, it depends on you know, each individual resource, but definitely uh, professional counselors will use Skype a lot of the times to conference, you know, over distances and just having uh, counseling available over a telephone, through cell phone, and text has definitely been something that we've started to notice more and that we're looking to add so that people, you know, no matter where they are, even if the resource isn't, you know, 10 miles away, 20 miles away, that they can still get the help that they need. Great, great. Well, that's that's amazing information, Dietrich. And, and it's so great to know that that resource, the directory is available for people, 
and and that this is it's just something that that's offered. There's so many resources. It's great. Yeah, and it really Absolutely. is. The resources are for everyone. I mean, uh, some of them only focus yeah. on women, but a lot of them also provide uh, resources yeah. and counseling for men, that, for family members, uh, for friends. So it's really available for everyone. That is so great. Dietrich, thank you for the amazing work that you do and for sharing with us about this amazing resource, Mm -hmm. um, this resource directory with 950 resources. Thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Well, thank you for having me on. Wonderful. Wow. That, what a great way to like end the show. How, yeah. how encouraging is that, that there would be that many individuals and groups who are offering support services throughout the country, actually throughout the world. Okay. And so certainly people can check out that Find Help directory and abortionchangesyou.com. Also, if you have questions, please send them in to contact at abortionchangesyou.com. And we're already thinking and looking forward to next week. Now that we've been covering telling your story, we'll, we've talked a little bit about listening, but let's dive into that a little bit more in our safe place tip next time, talk a little bit more about listening. And I think that makes it also a real natural fit for our main topic on building support. Mm-hmm. How can we be a safe place for somebody who may be impacted by abortion. So we thank you so much for joining us here today. We look forward to talking to you next week. Yeah, thanks for being here. Thank you for listening today. Be sure to join us again for another edition of Life After Abortion next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember, We're here to help you.